0: Hello, welcome to the podcast—a show dedicated to quieting the noise in the health, food, and fitness world. I'm your host, Dr. Lauren, former TV NBC News journalist, gone health detective and functional medicine expert, by way of my own 26-year long battle with chronic illness, spent seeing over 100 doctors and trying countless diets and doctor Google searches that could not help me. Today, on the other side of it all. I love nothing more than empowering people just like you to take their health and their life back into their own hands. On this show, you'll eavesdrop on real conversations with a variety of interesting guests who are all health detectives in their own unique way. From New York Times best-selling authors, professional athletes, research scientists, expert clinicians, thought leaders, and so many more. Like today's guest osteopenia and osteoporosis expert and functional nutritionist Debbie Robinson. Debbie helps women with a diagnosis of osteopenia and osteoporosis take control of their bone health naturally and teaches them how to identify daily lifestyle habits that contribute to either bone building or bone loss. She has helped hundreds of women rescue their spiraling out of control bone loss, improve their DEXA scan scores, and reclaim their best life. This episode is really near and dear to my heart with my own history of osteoporosis that I was given back in the day when I was 23 years old. Um, A little bit actually before that, I had been diagnosed with osteopenia, uh, but heard those words osteoporosis as a 20-something, and just felt like my whole world was rocked. And this was on the tails of just chronic eating disorders, anorexia, et cetera, that I had just been living and not treating my bones the best for so many years of my life, about 15 by that time. And really being told that there was not much I could do except to, to maybe stall further progression. And today I'm really happy to say that I've been able to reverse that osteoporosis and bring it into a level where it's now osteopenia. So it's like going backwards. It's not um, in the super degenerative state. and. I think today's episode will be super encouraging no matter what your challenges or struggle, if you have health struggles of any sort, not even osteoporosis, that our greatest setbacks are our biggest comebacks. And Debbie's story in and of itself will also give you some inspiration there. This is a relevant topic even if you're not 70 years old. You'll learn things like why calcium is actually not ideal for optimal bone health, three steps to improving your bone health, and the mind-body connection to not only bone loss but other health imbalances in the body. So I loved the show and I think you will get a lot out of it too. Before we dive in though, if you're liking this show, please click the five stars button and leave a review in your podcast app. I absolutely love and appreciate hearing from you and it helps us cultivate more health detectives just like you. And of course, if you need help in your own health journey, don't hesitate to reach out. I love hearing from you on my website, drlauren.com, and helping you heal your root to two in our amazing functional medicine-based programs over there, empowering folks worldwide to transform how they look, move, feel, and think. All right, without further ado, let's get to the show. Well, Debbie, so excited to have you in the house today to talk about a topic that doesn't get a lot of, I think, press, especially with uh, the younger demographic, (laughs) osteoporosis. I personally have had a history with this, and so I'm really excited to have this conversation with you because this is your area of expertise. And before we dive into all the things, what really got you into working with osteoporosis and helping those individuals that have it perhaps reverse it or stop the
1: progression of it. All right. Well, first of all, hello, and thank you for having me. Um, So what got me into this? Well, in my early forties, I received an injury and that injury was in my hip. And after about five years with that injury, I went, finally went to an orthopedic surgeon because I tried everything that I could do before that. And I was diagnosed with a torn labrum in my hip. So that's how I got even aware of joints and bones and how important they are. Um, So that's how I got in. And then actually I ended up having a total hip replacement a few years later at the age of 51. And so that's my journey. That's what got me here was an injury and a surgery that didn't work and then total hip replacement.
0: And kind of from there, what did you do uh,
1: with those things? Well, I have to say that the, the big thing here was that it sounds like it's mostly a body thing, right? It's a torn labrum in my hip. And what I really realized, I have almost always been a happy camper, really good at managing stress and staying in a pretty optimistic attitude. But this stopped me in my tracks and I gained 30 pounds. I couldn't move anymore. I couldn't walk. I lost my mobility and even traveling and all things I loved. And so it went to the layer of my mind And it started to affect how I felt, my mood. And that's what was really powerful for me. Um, And once I started to heal myself and I got my life back, my body back, um, I arrived in India six months to the day after my surgery. And on that trip, I climbed a super, like spiritual popular mountain there. And I got my life back. And so I'm doing this because I don't want people to give up or to think that that's it if they have an issue in their tissues.
0: We were talking a little bit about that before and how uh, so much of our health conditions, chronic health conditions in particular, are a byproduct of issues in our tissues. And I guess you've really also made that part of your your practice with your patients what are some interesting findings or like connections you have found over the years working with individuals in the space of osteoporosis of how those issues in the tissue show up, or perhaps if there's any themes that you see with uh, the degr- degradation of bone in particular, or injury like physiologically?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting, Lauren. So it's usually, it always was like considered like an older person's disease and you you went through menopause, you lost estrogen, which is very protective of bones and you would get osteoporosis. Well, what I'm noticing is that there are younger and younger people being diagnosed with osteoporosis or I'm noticing that my population that I work with, that they actually have some of the um, contributing factors or the issues that can lead to bone loss, which are a lot of digestive issues. So whether that's diagnosed or not, so of course, celiac is a big one, but even the undiagnosed um, aspects of uh, digestion, absorption, and assimilation and bringing, feeding yourself the nutrients that build bones. And so it's a really powerful, you know, deep aspect of feeding your bones for your whole life. And you don't really know about that until you get this diagnosis and you had to have bone loss.
0: Hmm. That's so spot on. Like, as you talk about, and I, I know I alluded to, I, um, was diagnosed with osteoporosis early on in my life, most 15 year olds don't hear those words, osteoporosis. And then age 23, I was told like, I would never be able to, I love doing CrossFit, that I should never do CrossFit again. And that I was on the path to just degeneration. There wasn't like really any coming back for repair, like restoring my bones, just from all the chronic anorexia and did, uh, digestive issues for most of my life. As long as I can remember, I couldn't poop And <laughs> growing up as a kid. And um, that makes a lot of sense, uh, both with the eating disorders and digestive, because disordered eating, you're not intaking nutrients to feed a healthy microbiome and you're disrupting the microbiome. Um, talk a little bit about the minerals, like in particular, because we hear so much about calcium and osteoporosis being something that's like so necessary. And yet that's what I found quite the misnomer can be because there's other cofactors that are necessary to actually uptake that calcium.
1: Yeah. And I'm going to even go before that. And I'm going to tell you that calcium is nature's bandaid and calcium has a lot of roles in our body. So, our bones are like a bank or a storage for your minerals. And whenever there's a need, whenever there's a dysfunction in the body, the minerals leave the bones. And so, when we're talking about gut health, we're talking about um, leaky gut that causes, you know, contributes to inflammation, and whether you're digesting well or not, first of all, are you bringing in the proper nutrients? you might be eating beautiful food, but if you have a lot of gut dysbiosis or digestion and absorption issues, it's very hard to get all of those building blocks of bones uh, in your system. And so when it comes to minerals, the, what we get is we get a bone mineral density test. A DEXA scan that, that diagnoses osteoporosis and osteopenia is a bone mineral scan. And so that's where the bone, that's where the minerals are stored is in the bones. And then it becomes a matter. If you look at it like a bank, it's like, where are your deposits and where are your withdrawals? And are those equal so that you have a balanced bone bank account? Hmm.
0: I love that. That's a great analogy. (laughs) And, um, I've also, I think something that's not very known like especially just thinking about walk down an aisle at like whole foods or the grocery store and you look in the like bone health um aisle and you see all these calcium like supplements maybe they have like they're paired with vitamin d or vitamin k and some of them are magnesium minerals um but that most calcium supplements to my knowledge are actually not absorbed like in the bone they're absorbed more in the tissues Systemically, so like i.e. Like artery and calcification, uh, arterial calcification rather can be a byproduct of some of these supplements, um, and or they can be correlated um with like heart conditions, et cetera. Is that something that you have found or that you advise your folks on as far as supplementation goes?
1: Yeah, so you know, I sorry, you did ask that question about calcium. Um, so the thing with calcium, and and, and I just want to preface this by saying, we don't really know everything. We don't know. I, I don't even want to say we don't know everything. I honestly feel like, what do we really know? What do we really know about what's happening in a stomach and in the intestinal lining? There's things we can study, but there's so much that we can't study. So when it comes to supplements, there's so much confusion around that. They did tell the ladies in the late 1990s and early 2000s to take calcium supplements. Then they found the hardening of the tissues. The heart tissue in particular was very susceptible to calcium hardening in the arteries around the heart. So then they stopped telling people to take calcium supplements. Well, when you think of calcium as the band-aid for your body and it's leaving your bones, uh, that's why we're gonna find it in the tissue. And so it's it. There's there's also a, there yes there's cofactors of how does the calcium get in your bones right so how does it leaving but how does it get in? And so there's there's a lot of synergistic vitamins that are important. One of them being vitamin K, which is not spoken about as often as vitamin D. And vitamin D is really a hormone. So vitamin K, part of vitamin K is made made in our gut by our good gut microbes. So there's this, this interconnection of everything um, that we see, and it's really hard to determine, do we take this, do we take that? I will say that right now, um, there's really a, my, my recommendation for most is no calcium. Um, so no calcium supplementation. I focus more on balancing the minerals and getting to the root causes of why or is your calcium not staying in the bones in the first place.
0: Hmm, let's talk a little bit about both of those. That's great. And I think a very, you can't Dr. Google that one guys, and just find like to balance more your minerals and talk about the root causes as much as I think most osteoporosis protocols still do call for eating more dairy rich foods, taking a calcium supplement, maybe doing some bone building exercises and kind of like addressing, like, as you mentioned, uh, band aid with band-aids similar to If your goal is to lose weight, it's obviously move more, eat less, right? Yet that's what we've found in functional medicine. Not always the case either. There's gut microbiome at play and also hormones and et cetera. The list could go on. Let's kind of talk about minerals first, because when you say that optimizing minerals, balancing minerals sounds great in theory. What does that actually mean?
1: Well, we have uh, four macro minerals calcium, magnesium, sodium, potassium. They're synergistic. Those calcium, magnesium work together, sodium, potassium. Sodium, potassium are what allow things in and out of the cell. One's inside the cell, one's outside. And uh, what I do for looking at people's minerals is I run a hair mineral test. And, you know, just like with everything else, you're going to see, yes, you should do this. No, you shouldn't do this. Yes, you should do this. No, you shouldn't do this. Take calcium. Don't take calcium. This test is good. That's. I mean, there's so much information. And uh, I, like I said, in terms of is anything definitive, I can only speak from experience and what I've noticed in my own body and those that I work with. So I run a hair mineral lab test, which gives you a three month profile of what's been happening in your life these last three months. It's a cellular capture of the minerals. And uh, when, we run, when I run that lab, I then help people balance their minerals with supplementation, with lifestyle, with food. And I really try to do food as often as I can because it's nature's vitamins and they're in the perfect delivery system, the perfect package. They have the fiber, the water, whatever they need to be absorbed, assimilated in their, their, in their best you know, bioavailable way. So, um, I do this through running uh, hair mineral labs and then from there and, and we can, and I retest, I retest myself all the time. A lot of us that are in, in that space that believe in the hair mineral labs, we, we run these often. Um, it's really cool. And I, it's one of the areas where I think that I get the quickest, um, wow. I mean, definitely with gut health, if you can get somebody out of bloating and gas and, and pain, that's one thing, but when it comes to minerals, it's where I get the quickest energy boost in the clients that I work with mm-hmm.
0: because they, they activate everything and allow your cells to absorb the nutrients you're eating even.
1: Right. So, They're the spark plugs. They're the spark plugs of our body. And once you balance your minerals, then you can actually start to effectively set up the stage for releasing the toxicity, which is an underlying factor of osteoporosis and so many other illnesses that people are experiencing. mm-hmm
0: uh, I'm glad you mentioned minerals and just like, yes, the broad spectrum of them. Do you have a favorite type of mineral? I've been like experimenting with a lot of different ones, but I've really actually been into sea moss lately. I don't know if you've heard of that, but
1: yeah, it's, I've heard, uh-huh. I've heard it's of sea like, moss. And I think that they say that that's one of the, um, is it the most, um, what's it called when you can replenish it? Renewable. Like, if really, like whenever you have like really renewable sources, you know, because that's another thing. If I hear like we should be taking X, but X is only in a certain quantity in this world. It's like, well, if that's really the healthiest thing for us humans and there's only 100 of them, how can the 7.5 billion people <laughs> live on this planet? So oh, I like to look for renewable sources or sources that seem natural you know um you know like take these berries these berries are the best for you i'm like well yeah but that's from turkey and not everybody has access to berries from turkey hey. so really are is it only the berries in turkey that are the best antioxidants or polyphenols you know so i i'd step back lauren i that's why i'm saying it's just so much information um in terms of minerals one of my favorite minerals um that i use is con, um con, i think is it called concentrate the company i'm not sure oh yeah algin
0: bolts minerals
1: yeah yeah so I know Concentrace is one of the brands, I don't know if that's the actual company name and then the uh, brand, like I use 40,000 volts and that's got a lot of the minerals. And I believe it comes from like lake water. You know, a natural source product, but that is honestly one of my favorite products from minerals.
0: I, I've not tried those, but I, I'm very careful with minerals too. actually have like, you know, you do your own self experiments, but definitely if you get a concentrate, anyone listening, you don't want to like put it all in one eight ounce glass of water. Definitely want to spread it out. And it, I found like when I've supplemented with minerals, they do flush out pretty quickly but, um, because electrolytes are so, and my body's pretty sensitive. Um, I do enjoy more food-based minerals or minerals that just like, I'm going to use drops over the course of the day, maybe in like 40 ounces of water or something. How do you take your minerals?
1: Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. And the minerals matter. So like magnesium, they say that most of us are deficient in magnesium and that could very well be the case because our soils are so depleted. And even if you are trying to eat really well, you know, you can't always get everything you need in food. So um, one thing about magnesium, magnesium citrate in particular, definitely can cause diarrhea. And so when you start to take minerals, magnesium relaxes the um, uh, peristalsis in the uh, digestive tract. So it's a really good thing for people struggling with constipation to kind of get the system going and how I recommend this for my clients, the dose, I believe is half a teaspoon or 40 drops and what I usually tell them to do is to titrate, you know, to start up and especially someone like you, Lauren, that's so in tune to your body that we all need to become so in tune to our body. That's super important because then nature can really be our guide for things and we can have our own self knowing of how do we proceed here. Um, but with the minerals, they're so one well, the ones that I'm speaking about anyway, they have such a metallic type taste or a salty taste that I actually um, have people squeeze a, a lemon in there. And that the other good thing about the lemon is that lemon, although it's acidic outside the body, it has alkalizing infect, effect inside the body because it reduces the renal load. So it actually is, it's helpful for your kidneys for the management that your kidneys are, are doing with your body, your body pH. Um, so I have people squeeze lemon, try 10 drops, uh, twice a day or once a day to begin, and then you know to to build up to the forty drops, and to do it throughout your day, like you're saying, because then you have the opportunity for the maximum absorption to take place.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, and I love adding some lemon to water, et cetera, um, and also just good old sea salt too. I am like a saltaholic. I think <laughs> sea salt. I do expend a lot of sweat though um, in a day, and am just pretty active in my daily life as well as have a history of, um, just a lot of adrenal stress. So I think my body just zaps it up, but do you ever use just good old salt and, uh, sea
1: salt to taste? Actually. So for salt, there's two salts that I mostly recommend, you know, there was a Himalayan salt craze there for a while, but now there's studies. And what I'm hearing is that the Himalayas have been there for a very long time. And so is that salt. And it's been exposed to a lot of things like you know, fuel from aircraft and whatever gets up there. So there could be a lot of toxicity in Himalayan sea salt. So what I've been using is, using is Celtic sea salt, which is a little bit more expensive and kind of in lines with the moss that you were saying that you were taking um, over in, And maybe, I don't know if that was, uh, there's Irish moss too. I don't know where, where the source was of yours. Um, and the other one is a salt by a company. I believe it's called um, it's called Healthy Salt the name of the, of the salt is healthy salt. And I think the company is something creatics and it's a very fine powder. It comes out of Oregon, Oregon, not Oregon, yeah, Oregon uh-huh. and you put it on a toothpick to start. So you dip the toothpick in and whatever mound mm-hmm. of salt starts on the toothpick becomes your serving. And so drinking salted water. I love that, that that's one of my favorite healthy salt. It's expensive. I and mean, it's like $81 a bottle. Oh,
0: wow, wow, that's some precious salt right there.
1: <laughs> but I think it's two hundred and eighty three servings. So I've not done the math. But if you were to figure out what two hundred and eighty three servings is into eighty one, maybe you could figure that out fast. Something like thirty cents probably, right? Because two forty would be three. So it's probably like thirty cents, let's say twenty seven cents a glass of totally you know, rebalancing your mineral or helping your minerals, your electrolytes, and all that. so
0: Yeah, wow. That's great to know. And I love learning new things. <laughs> um, how about just from even like a food and minerals perspective? Are there any superfoods um, in quotes that you find to be effective and or dietary kind of
1: leanings
0: when recovering from osteoporosis, etc.?
1: Yes. So I want to talk about dairy because you brought that up a little while ago and I didn't address that, that people are told to take calcium, vitamin D, and dairy. And get some exercise. So, so uh, the the countries that have the highest dairy con- consumption are the countries with the greatest fractures. So there is no correlation between, in terms of studies, between milk consumption, and or dairy consumption and bone strength or you know, less less dense bones. So that's kind of a misnomer. And plus our dairy supply is not very clean and there's a lot of stuff that goes on with dairy. So that's something people should really look into. In terms of feeding your beautiful bones, that's what I call it, feeding Mm. your beautiful bones. So first of all, having that intentional thought when you are bringing in food, that it is for your foundation, for your structure, for what holds you up, for what allows you to move, to dance, to play, to travel. And that's the intention because when you bring in the, the reasons for things, when you bring in a why, when you really look at it that way, you're more inclined to you know not think about, oh, wait, what do I, can I get that chocolate lava cake? Or, you know, you don't think about food in that way, but when you think about food as nourishing your being or your bones, your structure. So the main minerals to really try to get in food are calcium, vitamin D, magnesium, and vitamin K. And then if I was to go a little deeper, I would say, vitamin C because that helps the structure of collagen, which is the main pro- protein that's in bones. Um, so those are the main, the main, you know, to look for those in foods and the foods that I would suggest are the dark leafies, which is Glorin is going to get us into a whole thing about oxalates and phytates. So that's a whole like can of worms. We're just going to leave on the side. Cause I'm going to tell you, I find articles that say yes. And I find articles that say no way. So the jury's still out on that one for me, mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of people, um, but you, if you look at the, the mineral profile, and that's what you've got to look at. So it's not always labeled, but a lot of the superfoods are really mineral dense. When you start to look at chia and flax and hemp seeds, and when you look at the powders or the roots, you look at maca. And um, maca is also great too for balancing estrogen. So if anybody has any, and although if you have estrogen dominance, that I'm not going to say to do. Um, but Yeah. So food has a lot of great sources and that's, that's the natural form. And I'm speaking about that was mostly, I guess, a plant rich diet, uh, collagen, so bone broth. Um, I guess animal sources, you know, I work with a lot of people that want to not, they're moving away from eating a lot of animals. So I'm trying to find as many natural products, vitamin K, the the vegetable source is called natto Mm N-A-T-T-O. I've not done it yet. (laughs) I went to buy it and I wanted to buy the organic one. Um, but I haven't, I didn't know how to prepare it well, and I want to find a good recipe. It's a fermented soybean, I believe, um, from Japan, and it's a sticky, smelly product, <laughs> but it's <laughs> loaded with vitamin K.
0: That's, I, I've definitely not tried it either, and <laughs> uh, have uh, prescribed it before, or, like written about it, but yeah, I've not ventured down that suit. The superfood we could both try this week, <laughs> adding it. A- yeah,
1: I know. We Well, I'm on a detox right now, so I can't, (laughs) but I'll try it in two weeks when I'm finished.
0: Future. um, Well, emu oil too, is another vitamin K source that I've heard is pretty good. um, Which is just a supplemental form. Mm -hmm. And then um, vitamin K, I guess would be in some, like, just for those that could tolerate grass fed dairy, um, just here in Austin, we have some farmer's markets where they actually sell raw milk. So like Weston, a Price style. And, um, like lower, definitely lower lactose and just casein in general for folks, but I'm very dairy sensitive. So I've not ventured down that path either. Um, collagen is a very popular supplement right now though. And, um, it seems like it's kind of an underrated one, perhaps within bone health up until now. Is that something that you have found to be beneficial, like peptides and, or like obviously bone broths for some, even um, like the glycine and, in meats and skin on kind of meats.
1: Yeah. You know, and uh, really for gut health, right. So definitely for bone. I mean, if your bones are made out of collagen, a large part of them are made out of collagen, then it would make sense to be eating what they're going to be built with. And, but also for healing and repairing the gut lining. And the gut lining needs to be intact so that you minimize inflation. I'm sorry, inflation, (laughs) inflammation, because inflammation is part of what takes minerals out of the bones to manage inflammation. I mean, inflammation, chronic inflammation is a big aspect behind osteoporosis and why people end up having osteopenia and then osteoporosis. So collagen can also be great for gut health, whether that's, um, you know, mostly of course, animal source. I do think that there are some... uh, Vegetable sources, though, maybe some like kelp sources of collagen as well.
0: Mm-hmm. I think you can. Yeah, it's like the kelps and um, some algaes. Yeah, um, I think there's a new uh, not marine collagen being developed, but a, an algae collagen. Uh, I was hearing Dr. Josh Axe talk about pretty recently that they were going to develop. So it's out there options.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do do recommend that now. That's a big thing on my, um, protocols.
0: Very cool. Well, and then bone marrow too, or like even like supplemental bone marrow, is that something you've ever experimented with? You know, like in, uh, ancestral nutrition philosophies, like supports like, and so when we eat foods such as liver, like organ meats and or liver capsules (laughs) for those that can't tolerate liver, um, then that supports that organ. Is that something that you've ever, um, used or, or looked into,
1: you know, Lauren, so I gave up red meat 30, almost six years ago. And when I was at going through menopause, like beginning perimenopause, your periods quite often change and you have a heavier flow. When I went to my doctor, she said to me, you're, you're so low in your iron that you almost need a blood transfusion is what she told me. And so what did I do? I started taking desiccated calf liver. So I was bringing in cows into my body. I wasn't eating them. Like I couldn't bring myself to actually eat the meat because there's like this whole mindset piece for me of the, whatever, I don't want to like gross people out. Um, but I did desiccated calf liver because yes, I think there is a lot of nutrition in organ meats. And, you know, I'm not, I don't judge how, how, what anybody eats and I'm not militant about eating one way or the other. I think we need to definitely eat ethically and make sure that um, everything is sourced from a good source and that we're not taking from the animal or from our environment. Um, so I'm not against at all eating animals. Um, so yeah, I did desiccated calf liver and that helped my iron.
0: Yeah. Rebalancing. Yes. And I love the different strokes for different folks. And I think just as long as you're intuitive with your body in general, like saying that to the masses and that your body is reflecting that balance. And as I think we, Uh, We're talking before we recorded and alluded to getting to the root causes of any health issues Um, beyond just the physiological, the diet, the supplements you're taking, there is a huge connection between the mind and the body. And when in my own personal health journeys, I've had many of them, um, but that's kind of been the catalyst for solving most of my own health mysteries has really been dealing with those issues in my tissues. And then a body and a mind and balance and peace, like it reflects in the body and vice versa. A body balance also is going to reflect in the mind. And um, as you mentioned root causes earlier, um, like you optimize minerals and then get to root causes. Let's kind of go down that rabbit hole a little bit. And what do you mean by root causes? Um, and that's multi-layered.
1: Well, if we do look at the, bo- the bones like a bank, There's many things that can cause your bank account number to go down, right? You could be withdrawing or you could have monthly fees. You could have taxes. You could have inflation that, you know, decreases the value of your money. So it's the same thing with our bone, our body. If you look at it that way, there's a lot of different sources. So root causes, some of the root causes, um, the three main areas of stress in the body that contribute to all illness but I'm going to speak about osteoporosis. You have a musculoskeletal, which means the bones, the joints, muscles, you have the biochemical or physiological When we're talking about digestion, we're talking about your adrenals, your hormones, your enzymes, your minerals, like all the biochemistry of the body. And then you have the mental emotional layer um, because psychological stress is actually now being studied and shown to be a contributing factor to osteoporosis. So when I talk about root causes, I look at it from those three different lenses and is this person, is is there, is there a lot of structural, structural malalignment or joint wear and tear, or do they have a tight body so that their joints are so, you know, tight together, there's not enough space and enough lubrication. And when your joints are off alignment, then your body needs to build more bone tissue. Many people have heard of bone spurs or maybe osteophytes, but it definitely bone spurs, bone spurs are bone. It was built. It's built up bone in your body. And quite often it's on joints because there's a malalignment or an injury and your body had to build more bone tissue. Well, guess where it's going to get all the stuff that it needs to make bone tissue with from the bones, because that's where all of the stuff is stored. That's where the building blocks are stored, the minerals. So root causes musculoskeletal can be, um, uh, anatomical, the alignment, the posture, and this generation now, because we're so much technology, we all are looking forward. We have our 10 pound heads that our heads weigh eight Mm -hmm. to 12 pounds. So let's say the 12, you know, on average, 10, our 10 pound heads are forward. They're not stacked on top of our vertebra. That's going to then put the top part of our spine off alignment and we're gonna to need to bring minerals for that. So that's the musculoskeletal. The biochemical, and which is what I think you do as well, that's where you have you know, the gut issues, the digestive issues, the um, adrenal, the thyroid, and hormone. And when you start to get into endocrine function and you look at thyroid, adrenals, and hormones, you have to go to the beginning of all of that. And where does that all start? Well, the command center, is in our brain. It's our limbic loop. It's our subconscious unconscious brain. It's either things we know that we're worried about in that moment, or it's things that we don't know that we're worried about in that moment, but it's happening in our body. And those are the root causes for osteoporosis.
0: Yeah. I'm, I mean, from a German new medicine perspective, which is how our issues get locked in our tissues. I think for, for you, you come from a, a big yoga background as well. And Like we were talking about how they align before we started recording, but um, osteoporosis is oftentimes a lasting generalized self-devaluation conflict affecting most of the skeletal system is how like a German new medicine lens sees it. Oh, wait, and- could you repeat that? Could you please repeat that? That was great. What's it oh, called? Yeah. Osteoporosis is a lasting generalized self-devaluation conflict. So -hmm. affecting most of the skeletal system. So the steady bone decalcification is caused by continuous, often subtle self-devaluations, like comparing that to such like dripping water over our lifetime. (laughs) Um, And so just like that constant dripping wears a stone. If you can imagine like uh, just water damage to stone or to a home, over time if it's drip 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 and just kind of the same thing is seen and from a german new medicine lens um and i think that's very fitting from just for especially the young folks um that do get it like with that history of disordered eating because self-devaluation is like that's by what it is really an eating disorder but even if we jump to like women women are affected more by osteoporosis than men um, i have I think women tend to struggle more with self-devaluation than men, just in what I've seen in my therapeutic practice and clinical practice over the past 10 years. Um, But yeah, I don't know if that fits for the type of patient that you've seen or clients that you've served.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. 80% of those diagnosed with osteoporosis are female. And I am so in this place right now. I'm so captivated. By ancestral wisdom and by who I am. Like, I'm overcoming my own lineage. I happen to be Scottish and I did my genealogy and I found some of my parental, like, some of my parents, my mom, my dad were lumped in the poor. Like, they didn't even have their own address because they were lumped in the poor. So I see that lack and that poverty. I see, you know, so, so, yes, it's like, it's, it's so, and you say self devaluation. That's so crazy because this is all about self. And that's why there's so much thing now about self care, because what you eat is going to determine your bone health and what makes you eat that thing or not eat it. That's what you've got to uncover and get to why am I feeding myself this not great foods or why am I starving myself and starving my bones? So that Lauren is like, uh, you know, huge, right? Cause that's, that's the whole self and how we're feeding. But yes, I noticed it mostly with women and then to try to get them to unpack, to uncover, to realize, and to deal with all of that. It's really interesting. Mm -hmm.
0: I mean, so many, so many layers there. And when you talk about like working through that for yourself, like what kind of work, what does that mean? Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: This is what it means. So when I think about my grandmother and it's not even so much my mom, so I look at my mom and, you know, I look at her and who she is compared to me. And so, you know, my mom's still living and stuff. So I don't like really say a lot of things about um, that. Um, And I know that I am my mom. I see the parts of me that I am my mom. And then I look at my grandmother and I see this woman who birthed 12 children who had lost three babies when they were under the age of five. She lost her first child the day after it was born. She lost her second child, the month after that child was born. And then she lost her other one before the age of five. I see that's what I come from. And I see my other side, my grandmother that birthed 10 pound babies at home or my grandparents. I mean, I mostly looked to the females. Okay. I'll look to the males too, because I know that they're in there. Right. Um, but I mostly look at the females as like my heroes or my sheroes. These are my sheroes. And I know that that's what I came from. So when I'm trying to be my best self, when I'm trying to nurture my body with the best foods, when I'm trying to show up in this life and be the best Debbie that I can be, I see all my hurdles and my blocks and I face them. And I see, I, there's a saying Lauren in, in Scottish called nay bloody wonder where uh, it's, it's Scottish. So that's, it's, it's like no bloody wonder, But it's you say, nay, bloody wonder. And so if you touch, like if you tell the kid not to touch the flame and they go and touch the flame and they burn themselves, the parent might say, nay, bloody wonder you burnt yourself. I told you not to touch that. So I'm in this phase of nay, bloody wonder. I feel like this, I've overeaten, I've done this, I've done that, I, you know, whatever. Like I look at my life, the things I did, the things I should have done, the things I shouldn't have done. I'm like nay, bloody wonder. I was like, you know, coming into this life with this lineage, with my ancestors and all the plight of what they've gone through. So I actually look at it that way. So when I'm, when I feel my small self showing up, I tell myself, no, Debbie, you are good enough. No, Debbie, you should be the one doing this. No, Debbie, you should talk. And I have like self-talk with myself. Um, So that's how I've been doing it is I. Stop, stand outside myself as a witness. Because when you actually bring yourself into a witness mode, Lauren, what you do is you pull yourself away from the feeling part, from the emotional part. You don't actually experience the feelings. When you're observing yourself and what you're doing, you can make really amazing, powerful shifts because you don't feel what's happening and you can notice what you're doing. And then you start to make shifts. So I've been in this journey in these last few years of just. Yes, you should. Yes, you can.
0: That's super powerful and super. It sounds like healing too. Yeah. Uh, Well, Debbie, where can people find out more about you and the work that you are doing in the osteoporosis space and just for really this mind body healing as well as the physical healing?
1: Well, I teach five live yoga classes a week. Now I teach mostly to the aging population. So we're going to be on the ground a lot. There's no power yoga in my classes. There's functional. How do I keep myself healthy and strong yoga? And so for anyone, even if you are not in an, in a, in an older package, but you have issues in your body, um, shoulder knees, whatever back. Um, I teach five live classes a week. Two of them are through a hospital in Southern California and three are on YouTube live. So I don't even need to know the person's there. Um, my website is Debbie Robinson.com D E B I R O B I N S O N.com. And all the is on my website. I do master classes, group classes. I work privately with people. So that's where you can find everything would be on my website.
0: Amazing. And I'll put links in the show notes and, Thanks so much for coming on and talking about a topic that doesn't get a lot of—I uh, mean, the talk that we talked about uh, as far as uh, outside of just taking calcium supplements and lifting weights. What can you do for osteoporosis and your bone health?
1: Yeah. So if I could just leave with what can you do for osteoporosis in your bone? Yeah, health?
0: I would love I that. Just,
1: yeah, I just want to say that every day you need to pull and push and demand more from your bones. Your bones will be strong for you if you ask for more. So instead of giving into whatever's going on in your life and, and noticing that every day push and pull in your bones, I don't mean hard, I mean, strong and safely, whether that standing on one leg in a tree posture to put that compressive force in your hip joint or to go into a posture or two, you know, warriors or any of those, um, something where you're stretching and pulling or loading into joints. That's one. The second thing is feed your bones and think about, is this nourishing my bones or am I starving my bones and your bones are what holds you up, helps you do everything you're going to do. And then that last piece is taking breaks because the subconscious brain is busy at work when you don't get involved. And so when you bring yourself into the conscious brain by either using your fingers, your hands, like in, in yoga, they call it mantras. I'm sorry, mudras where you actually touch your fingers um, or you do or you do mudras, which are mouth. Um, there's a lot of sensory neural wiring in our hands. And so when you wanna bring yourself from the limbic loop in the back of your brain to the free prefrontal cortal, cortical brain, the, the sensory cortical brain, you use your fingers, your hands or your mouth. And that's also good for anxiety or anytime you need to bring your brain, you know, you need, you need to manage the mental energies to use your hands or your mouth. So saying things, singing, la 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 la, ba, 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 da, 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 all that stuff. So that's it. That's all the three things to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, and question that I always love to ask my guests is just what is one health hack or even like health mystery that you feel like you've solved lately for your own health and your own life? Something like maybe a hob that you've had, and or something that you've just really been into for optimizing
1: your how you feel. Okay. Can I tell you though that I call it bioharmonizing and not biohacking? Oh, I, I love that.
0: Because I'm
1: all about working with nature. I'm not hacking anything. I'm not gonna hack and be masculine and chop at anything here. I'm gonna bioharmonize.
0: Oh, I love that. Bioharmonizing. What have you been into bioharmonizing? <laughs>
1: So my, my, I, I guess really, um, ooh what's my big, I would say to be, to realize that this is a game we're playing that's called life and to check myself before I wreck myself on a daily basis, to stop the flow of thoughts, to connect to breath, to either go outside if I need to go outside, take myself out of the situation or stand outside myself and observe whatever's happening whenever there's a frenzy in my mind. So really, truly, it's the it's the mindset breaks,
0: uh, kind of like I call them recess breaks, yeah, your brain breaks. Others. Uh, well, thank you so much, Debbie. We'll definitely be keeping up with your work, and I'll let you go and continue to go out there and break and make your own rules. Oh, okay, no. great. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Lauren.